Good evening, everybody. Let's all stand, and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, and then we're going to sing, Jesus, draw me ever nearer. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. Lord, we come before you and we thank you that we can come together and lift up our voices in song, turn our hearts to you in prayer, and know that your ear is inclined towards us. I do pray that you'd be with us as we worship and then we have a little bit of time of fellowship after church, that in every way we might honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing tonight. There's honey in the rock for you. Oh, my brother, do you know the Savior who is wondrous, kind, and true? He's the rock of your salvation. There's honey in the rock for you. Oh, there's honey in the rock, my brother. There's honey in the rock for you. Leave your sins for the blood to cover. My brother, there's 
this morning that uh, yesterday brother John and I went and did a memorial service for a young man who had been killed in a car accident just a couple weeks ago and oftentimes when I do either a funeral or graveside especially uh, or a memorial service um, I will take them to the 23rd Psalm at some point in the graveside service 
It's a very traditional part of graveside services. And part of it is because the 23rd Psalm is just full of, of life. It's full of what transpires in life for a Christian. And you find that it's verses about restoration, of restoring your soul and finding strength and comfort in that. Um, tonight, I just really wanted to go through the 23rd Psalm with you because there's just so much there. And I, through the years of pastoring, I've had many elderly people who have said to me that as young people, they memorize the 23rd Psalm. And I think many people no longer do that. And it's because they don't, they don't see the value in the 23rd Psalm. So tonight my goal is to just refresh our memory, to renew our understanding of a very famous text that you will hear many times throughout your life because it is so commonly drawn upon. So it's the 23rd Psalm. It's only six verses long, but within those six verses are so many applicable truths for our life. So let's start off, and I'm going to ask you all to read it with me. Uh, it's interesting to me how many times I have been at a graveside out in the middle of the country with a handful of people, and I start reading the 23rd Psalm, and there will be older people who can recite it all the way along with me. And um, so tonight, let's all read it together, and then I'm just going to go verse by verse right through the 23rd Psalm. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that is very, very much the common way that the 23rd Psalm is read and recited. But when you look at the 23rd Psalm, it's actually not as fluid as that. It is statements made one after another. When you start off, he starts off by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he stops. And he stops for a reason, because the thought is completed before he moves to the next one. He simply makes a statement. His Lord God is his shepherd, and I shall not want is linked to the shepherd. You and I, when we think of our Lord, we think of our, our God, we often don't step back and understand that the Bible is telling us he has shepherd-like qualities when he is ministering to us. In fact, even in the New Testament, we find Jesus teaching on this. Turn with me to John chapter 10, if you would. John chapter 10, and I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 5. I'm losing a little bit of my voice. I don't know whether it's because of um, maybe pollen type things. I don't know. But John, John chapter 10, 
verses 1 down through 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And here you find the Lord again likening and teaching about the kingdom of God, the work of God, the presence of the shepherd, and the sheepfold, and the sheep. And he wants us to understand, we hear the voice of our shepherd, and we recognize our shepherd, just as our shepherd recognizes his sheep and he tells us here he says that shepherd when he comes out of the sheepfold and he comes through the gate his sheep know to follow him but they will not follow another shepherd you and i in our lives when we look at the 23rd psalm and he starts off with that simple statement the lord is my shepherd i shall not want He's referencing the fact that that shepherd is the one who is going to be able to care for us and watch over us, nurture us, bring us to the right place for the things that we need. We will lack nothing if we will but just rest in him. It's not that he is saying that we will never have a moment of hunger or a moment of thirst or a time when we are concerned about shelter. Those things come and they happen in our lives. But he's saying, our shepherd cares for us. We are connected to him. He is connected to us. Much of what we want oftentimes is not even what we need. Our shepherd knows what we need. I want you to look with me, if you would, to James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> James chapter 4, verses 1 down through 3. It says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Here we find the scriptures teaching us that oftentimes the things that we do ask for, we ask amiss. The things we really do need, we don't ask for and don't get. And oftentimes we ask for things that are so selfish, so destructive, they lead to selfish and destructive things in our lives. But what the psalmist is telling us is we need to learn to listen to our shepherd. We need to learn to follow our shepherd so that we ourselves will not want, but rather that we will learn to depend on him to guide us as he provides. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and this is a great text to remind us of how our shepherd cares for us. 
Look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 on down. He says, there take, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Why does he know? Because he is our shepherd. And we are his sheep. Listen to what he goes on to say. Therefore, uh, he says, For after these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know, sheep are not worried about tomorrow. You don't see sheep standing and gazing off in the distance and thinking to themselves, boy, what am I going to do when I get older? Am I ready for retirement? How many kids am I going to have? Am I ever going to find a spouse? You don't see them thinking to themselves, is this wool coat enough or do I need more? Should it be instead of white, maybe off-white this week? You don't see them fretting or worrying about all the things that people fret and worry about. No, they just take it a day at a time, don't they? They wake up in the morning when the sun rises and they just start eating the grass. The only thing they have to do is follow the shepherd. And that's what he's telling us here. He's saying, stop worrying about things that you can't change. 99% of the stuff we worry about, our worry is never going to affect it even one iota but we have to get up every day we work hard we do what's right and we follow our shepherd and he says i shall not want go back with me to psalm 23 look at verse 2 with me because now he's ready he's finished talking to us about the lord is my shepherd i shall not want then he says he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters it's very interesting that he's, he's using very descriptive and pointed language. He doesn't just say to us that he leads us to pasture. What's he say to us? He qualifies the pasture. What's he saying? Green pasture. Green pasture. Because not all pasture is the best pasture. It's the green pasture that the shepherd leads his sheep to. Because he knows the need. He knows what's at hand. So you and I, we are, we are brought by him to those places, those oases that we need. Remember, we're looking at folks who are living in a part of the world that is arid and dry. And even when you go to visit Israel or you go to look at Jordan or, or any of the part of the world, Turkey, you go to these different parts over there and you look around compared to the Green Mountain State and you wonder to yourself, why do these people stay here? They could all move to Vermont. In fact, Vermont had given them $10,000 each to move. That's what the newspaper said. But you know what? They love where they live. It's their home. But he's saying to us, he says, you know, the Lord is going to lead them, not just the pasture. He leads us, his children, his sheep, to green pasture. 
I find it interesting when he comes down and he qualifies the next statement as well. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture, those oases of life. And he leadeth me beside what kind of water? The still water. Uh, I don't know whether you noticed this week in the news, they, they, had, they fished out of the river along uh, Mexico and Texas. They fished out nine bodies the other day because there were heavy rains in Texas and people are risking their lives to go ahead and come across the river into the United States, sneaking across the border instead of coming by legal means. And a number of them got swept away by the rain-flooded river. And they're still looking to find if there are many more who perish. But God doesn't lead us into those torrid waters. He doesn't lead us into the rushing waters. He leads us into what? The still waters. Because he's our shepherd. He knows that we need still waters, not rushing waters. We don't need to be swept and caught away, but we need to go ahead and be quenched and satisfied and cared for. He is that shepherd that leads us into that place of restoration, that place of renewal. Look with me, if you would, over to Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Peaceable, that still calm water of life. We are called to, as people, to live a life that is a life of contentment. We kind of, we live in an odd time where people are willing to risk their lives for any rush of adrenaline. You see, I, I, the other day I was watching a news thing where it was talking about these guys who were jumping off of cliffs with these special winged type devices. And as they, as they go down, they, they fly, they, they fly in between rock pillars and all under bridges and and then all of a sudden they pop a chute just before they crash so they don't die. But why do they do that? Because they're adrenaline junkies. They want the rush, the excitement. We definitely live in a day and an age of that, where people want that high, whatever it may be. But God actually calls us to a place of contentment. That place where we live peaceably with all men. In fact, he tells us to pray for that. He tells us to pray that we would live a quiet and peaceable life. Here, he reminds us that he leads us to those places of oases, those green pastures. He leadeth not to the rushing torrid river, but instead to the still waters, that we ourselves might find peace, that we might find rest. Come down with me to verse 3 as we continues through Psalm 23. He says, he restoreth my soul. And that soul restoration is the theme of the 23rd Psalm. It's really about him helping us to be renewed, 
Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 4, verse 31. Very famous verse, often thought about because it's such a picture language as it talks. But Isaiah chapter 40, look with me down at verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Here you find a description. He's, he's connecting our spiritual life to very visual, real, material life. Just as what's taking place in the 23rd Psalm is he's talking about shepherds and sheep and oases and, and waters. And he comes to verse 3 and he says, He is the one who restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. You see, he wants us to be able to mount up with the strength of a 38-year-old. He wants us to be like that winged angle, uh, eagle, not angle, uh, that winged eagle who rises up. Sandra Joe and I pulled into our driveway yesterday, and um, I, you know that I have beef cows in the backyard. And so we pulled up the driveway, and I'm looking, and I see these, these birds circling my pasture. Two big birds, and they're just, they're just cruising on the air up there. And they're I said to Sandra Joe, I've never seen that in my back pasture before. I hope everything's okay. Because I'm, I'm visualizing in my mind one of my cows laying there and vultures looking to start eating them. But then as I got closer, as I came down the driveway, I, I realized, well, they're not vultures. They were hawks. And then as I came into my driveway, I could see my three cows. They were fine. That's really what I was concerned about. But those, those hawks, just like eagles, they have gone ahead and cut, caught the wind or the heat rising. And they're just cruising over my pasture looking for mice. Just hunting, hunting. You know, it's interesting that God says that he renews us so that we can mount up, we can rise up, even as the eagle. Um, years ago, Sandy and I, we went down to Crown Point, just on the other side of the bridge, and we sat and we watched an eagle as he was going out over Lake Champlain and just riding the... I guess the currents of air coming off the lake and just watching for fish, fishing and hunting over the lake. It's interesting to see God use words like this, word pictures, as he says, those who will trust in the Lord, those who will wait upon their good shepherd, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And then he brings it down a little and he says, they shall walk and not faint. You know, life is not always the high of an eagle, is it? Life oftentimes is a race that we have to run. But it's not always a race. Sometimes we have to slow down and just walk, don't we? But here in this text, he reminds us that as our shepherd, he's there for it all. 
whether we mount up as eagles or we run our life's race or whether we're just going about our business walking day by day. It is he that restores our soul. Look down with me, if you would, to verse 4 in the 23rd Psalm. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. This is part of the reason why so many funerals throughout Christian history, and probably going all the way back into the Old Testament, draw from the 23rd Psalm. Because we realize that every one of us is appointed a time, a day. Every one of us will pass from this life into the next. But there's great comfort in knowing that our shepherd, he is the shepherd that's going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with us. And therefore, we need to fear no evil. It's interesting that the people of this time, the time of the writing of the Psalms, the time when they were so connected to all that transpired in Egypt, they've been set free, they've come back, they're in the promised land, David is king, but it's not far in the past history, and it's not far the influence upon their culture that Egypt was. But Egypt so feared death that they would build monuments and store supplies for the afterlife in hoping that they would be able to have enough food, enough sustenance, enough everything, chariots, trinkets, servants, horses, anything they could, they would put in store for their afterlife. And God says, you don't have to do that. If I am your shepherd, you don't need to fear any of those things. You don't need to fear the evil of death. I will walk through the very valley of the shadow of death with you. There's nothing for you to fear. And for me as a pastor, as I have sat with lots of people through the years, as they've passed from this life into the next, it is the Christians who are able to pass with that comfort of knowing my Lord is there. My shepherd will lead me through the very valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for that shepherd will be with me. His rod and his staff, they will comfort me. Look with me if you go down to verse 5 in our text, Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before, mine, before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. We read this in sequence, but he's really making bullet point statements about his God, his shepherd, leading him as, a, as the sheep. He says, thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You and I are very blessed <clears throat> in that we are not in such a position of power and authority as King David to where we have people conspiring for our lives every day. At least I want to hope you don't. I want to hope that your, your employees or your co-workers or your spouse is not trying to figure out each day a way to take your life. Amen? That would be bad. But at this time, as this psalm is written by David, 
David is thinking about all of those who are his, his enemies. And he says, his shepherd has prepared a table before him in the presence of mine enemies. He says, you know what? God is taking care of me in the Lord's time, in the Lord's way. And throughout David's life, God, God spared him. He had many, many enemies. He was a man of war. In fact, such a man of blood, he was not allowed to build the temple. He had faced many battles and many conspiracies. But yet, God had taken him through and cared for him. His shepherd had walked him through and prepared a table before uh, me in the presence of mine enemies. As we come down to the second half of verse 5, he says, Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. It is God who anoints us and blesses us. And we know that in the Old Testament, as well as in the New, that oil is all a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that came upon David, empowered him, cared for him, watched over him. And in your life and in my life, we also are anointed with the Holy Spirit in our lives when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And our cup runneth over. The very presence of God in our hearts and lives, we are blessed more than we can even count our blessings. We come down to verse 6, and he says, Yes, really, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That is an interesting statement for David to make. When you read through the Psalms, you find that David struggled. He struggled with highs and lows. He struggled with his enemies as well as his victories. Yet when David looked at his life on a plane, he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We have to be wise enough to not focus on every little negative. See, David had learned, you've got to look past. You can't look at every tragedy, every struggle, every enemy, every situation, and make it a mountain. You've got to bring those mountains down. You've got to bring those valleys up. And look at the whole and see how that surely Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We can nitpick our lives and we can say, well, I don't know, I don't have this, and so-and-so does, or I don't have this, and so-and-so does. Or we can look and say, you know what? I'm blessed. God is good. Amen. And that's what David is saying. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then it concludes with the best part of all the psalm. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David had confidence. It's not that he was a perfect man. He was not a perfect man. But you know what? He was a man of faith. And he said, because of my faith, because of my shepherd, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you and I as Christians, we have to take and rest in the fact that we do have a good shepherd. He knows us. He knows our voice. He knows who are his. 
and we know him and we know his voice and we should be in tune enough with our shepherd that we can follow him in his way as he leads us. That was my goal tonight. I wanted to take us through the 23rd Psalm. I read it often and every time I read it, I think to myself, this is such a great text, not just for gravesides, but for life. Amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask the blessing on the cake that's down in the fellowship uh, for Brother John's uh, 38th birthday and also for Deanna heading up to Canada. And we need to remember to pray for Deanna as she is looking to get all that immigration paperwork worked out and ciphered through so that she can not have to go back to where she came from. She wants a new life in North America. So let's pray for her. So let's pray for the blessing. Uh, praise the Lord, John, 38 years old and married to a 28-year-old with some kids who are just uh, barely eight years old. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we can come together as a church family. Lord, I pray that you bless this little treat, this cake to our bodies. Help us have a good time of fellowship. Lord, I do pray for Deanna and her son as they move to Canada. I pray that you watch over them. And certainly you have led her and watched over her. And I know that you will continue as her shepherd to lead her beside the still waters to those green pastures where she might find restoration, strength in you. We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.